If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 108 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on August 8th, 2021. Now, my friends, as always, Yapping Yankees is being brought to you by, obviously, myself and Ball Nine. Ball 9 brings you some of the best baseball content out there. Any and all baseball stories, articles, roundtable discussions, featured baseball podcasts like the very one you're listening to right now, Yapping Yankees, and much, much more. Visit the website. I promise you, you'll be glad that you did, my friends. That's ball9.com and follow them on all social medias at ball9 and know what you don't know. Also, guys, help to spread the word about Yapping Yankees, but at the same time, stay updated on everything with both me and the Yankees. And you could do all of that by following yours truly across social media. You can follow my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at Mike Scuds 97 and 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 and. Remember to subscribe and always listen to Yapping Yankees on all of the platforms it's available on. Leave a like on this video and subscribe on YouTube. Leave a review across all the other platforms. Show it that love, guys. And you can do all of that on all the platforms being YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Damn, I'm in a good mood, guys. <laughs> I hope you're doing well, too, but... Madon... <laughs> What a week the Yanks had, and even more so, honestly, what a second half they're having, huh? I mean, they've become, like, the hottest team in baseball. They're as hot as it gets. Good lord. <laughs> Five-game winning streak coming into today's game. They've at least won eight of their last nine series, and I say at least because they're going for the sweep today against the Mariners, so it could be even better after today's game later on. 8-1 and one in their last nine games, 15-6 and six since the All-Star break, just a game and a half behind the A's for the second wild card, only two and a half behind the Red Sox for the first wild card, and even just five and a half behind Tampa for first place in the AL East. Yeah, five and a half, after being like 10 out of first behind the Red Sox in what Feels like two minutes ago. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. This is just shaping up to be a pretty freaking incredible race, people. I'm talking an absolute dogfight. And all of that, despite the continued injuries for the Yanks, by the way, and despite their third freaking COVID outbreak this past week. It's just amazing. It really is. And it's just the beginning. 
And we're going to discuss all of it later. Don't you worry. The third COVID outbreak, more injuries, how blazing hot the Yanks have continued to be in this remarkable turnaround. Everything. But first, before all of that, and today's social media segment, (laughs) remember last week when I said I have an announcement regarding the show? And I would tell you this week? Well, here goes. Next week, August 15th, I regret to inform you that there will not be a new episode for next weekend, the 15th. Because I am going to be in upstate New York with the amazing Ball 9 crew on Saturday and Sunday. So I'm going to be gone basically the whole weekend. (laughs) Now, you guys know I normally make it work on busy weekends and still manage to fit in doing the show, but this time I'm going to be gone nearly the entire weekend and it's a very important occasion, so next weekend is just different than the others. I'm going to be upstate with the Ball 9 gang at an awesome, very important dinner for the New York Baseball Hall of Fame, and I can't wait for it. But like I said, while I am ecstatic for this next weekend, unfortunately, that means no episode next Sunday, the 15th. And it's always so weird when I have to take a weekend off because it basically never happens. Last time it happened was like seven, eight months ago. So it's been a while. (laughs) In the two years and three months or so I've done this show, I think I've only had to miss like three or four weekends. (laughs) I always do my best to give you an episode every week. You know that. Especially during the season. Only when I absolutely can't, I don't. Which, again, is virtually never. God willing, of course. But... Next weekend, I just can't pull it off. I'm sorry, my friends. Too big a weekend, too much going on, but not to worry. I will return with episode 109 on Sunday, the 22nd. And again, God willing, I will definitely go straight through until 2021 baseball is wrapped up. Because again, I hate taking off at all, let alone while baseball is going on. So I will return the 22nd. Which also, by the way, has a potentially awesome announcement in exchange for me having to take off next weekend. And that is the day after the dinner on the 15th. And just so you know, this isn't confirmed yet. But I will confirm this on my social medias, so keep your eyes peeled on them as always. But there's a chance that for the first time for me since 2018... I will be returning to Italy to visit my amazing family and friends there. Lots of you know I've already been there like nine times. I've spoken about it on here, and I've spoken about it on social media. Tried for a tenth time last year, but it didn't happen for obvious reasons. And now, me, my mom, and my girlfriend Victoria are trying for this year. And if I get word at some point this week that it's happening... And again, I'll keep you posted on my social medias. I will be away from the 16th, the day after the dinner, to the 28th of August, which does run through the 22nd. So now you're probably wondering, well, how the hell are you going to do an episode on the 22nd, Mike? You're going to miss two weeks in a row? Well, my answer is nope. 
I am going to bring my laptop, bring my Yeti mic, and I'm going to do episode 109 for you in Italy. Yeah, you can pick your jaw up off the floor now and get hyped. Because if it happens, I will be bringing you a never-before-done Italy edition of Yapping Yankees. So potentially exciting stuff ahead in light of missing next week, guys. So again, just to recap, no Yapping Yankees next week, the 15th, but I will return on the 22nd regardless, and possibly from Italy. And in the event that Italy happens, I'll probably shorten the episode to just doing recap because, you know, I'll be in freaking Italy, but that's the deal, guys. So fasten your damn seatbelts because we're about to get weird these next couple of weeks, possibly. (laughs) Ah, boy. So those are the announcements. And with that being said, let's get right into the show for today, my friends. I'm in a good mood. You're in a good mood. Hopefully even better after the Yankees hopefully win the game today. That's starting in about an hour and a half from when I'm recording. But with everyone in a good mood, it's been a few weeks since the last time I did this, so I figured, screw it. I'll give you the floor again for this week with a Q&A. You ask the questions, I answer them. So without further ado, let's do it. I'll take just a few here on Twitter and a few over on Instagram And then we'll get to talking about the Yankees' third COVID outbreak, continued injuries, the continuation of their epic second-half turnaround with the great past week of games that just happened, just everything in recap. But first off, the first question on Twitter comes from Rebecca at Peace Now for Life, and Rebecca asks, What do you think has been the biggest reason for the recent turnaround we've seen? They aren't just winning. The attitudes seem better. What has contributed to that, do you think? Well, I think it's a combination... Hold on, let me fix my chair. (laughs) This chair is so annoying. Anyways, I think... I think there are a few different reasons. I definitely think, like I said on last week's episode, that the trade deadline acquisitions could be a reason. I definitely think that finally getting balance in that lineup and a couple of really good hitters in Gallo and Rizzo, Rizzo especially, I think that kind of thing helps to boost confidence throughout the rest of the lineup. And obviously the additions of them in themselves is also very important. And I think that could be a very big reason. I definitely think the deadline could be a massive reason. And that's why I said when people were asking me, What do you think about the rest of the season? You know, do you think the Yankees are dead? And when I asked you guys the same thing, I gave my take on it. And I said, well, the reason why I'm really siding with I just don't know yet was because, well, there were a good amount of games left to play. The wild card deficit was not big at all. It obviously still isn't. And also, depending on what happens at the deadline, it could rejuvenate the team. It could add much needed talent, could add balance to that lineup finally with adding two lefties in Gallo and Rizzo, which is what ended up happening. And that's exactly what happened. And I think that could definitely be a reason why the team just seems to be overall different. I mean, they've lost one game in the Gallo and Rizzo era so far, which is about a week and a half long only. But just even since the All-Star break overall, they've been... They've been much better. 
they're killing it in the second half. So I think maybe it could be a bit because of the deadline. I think maybe it could be they finally sat down and said, listen, we got to start playing with some urgency here. It's August. <laughs> Only two months left. And after the first half we had, if we have, if we want to have even a shot at this thing, we, we got to get it going. <laughs> so it could be a bit of both of those things. They've also changed some elements to their game. You see a lot more bunting happening, moving runners over and things like that, and even stealing more bases. I I think it could be a combination of a bunch of different things, but I'll go with the deadline mainly. I think that just rejuvenated a lot of confidence. Up next is Ryan at Omaha Yankee Fan 1, and Ryan asks, Do the Yankees have any intention to re-sign Rizzo? Personally, I could see him going back to Chicago. Uh, actually, I don't see him going back to Chicago because it just seems like after the Cubs have totally dismantled, I mean, they gave away Bryant, they gave away Rizzo, they gave away Baez to the Mets. It just seems like they're committing to a rebuild. And if they are in fact doing that and intend to see that through to the end over the course of the next few years, maybe, I don't see them willing to pay Rizzo. I mean, I don't think it's impossible because Rizzo is a huge force for the Cubs. Obviously, when he left, it was a huge deal for the fans. Everybody was upset, including Rizzo himself, because that was his beloved town. He took them to their first World Series victory in over 100 years. He was beloved there, so understandably so. So he was a little sad to leave there. Obviously, very excited to be a Yankee in the same breath. But even though Chicago meant a lot to him, and he meant a lot to Chicago, if they're really committing to a rebuild, I don't I don't see them bringing him back. So with that being said, I think there's a good chance that he resigns, and I hope he does. I told you that even though it's only been about a week and a half, or even sooner if you want to go back to last week's episode when I was talking about extending Rizzo, I would love if they brought him back. I think that's just an incredible force to have on the infield. Someone who's that terrific defensively, where not only he just elevates the lack of defensive and offensive production at first base this year, but therefore also elevates the rest of the infield, giving them more confidence to make throws over to him because even he himself said, just throw the ball in my general area and I'm going to catch it. (laughs) That's the kind of first baseman you want on your team. So I think the Yankees should definitely resign him. Do I think they will? Well, Cashman was like, oh, we got to check the payroll and everything and the offseason, all that crap, you know. (laughs) And of course, he's also not going to give away his hand or anything. So I don't know. (laughs) I think there's a chance they could, and I definitely think that they should. I think the thought's at least in the back of their minds, though, definitely. Next, we have Rob at Laker 477. And Rob asks, if you could meet or hang out with any Yankees player or manager, past or present, who would it be? I love questions like this. So if I had to pick any one player and any one manager, I think one player would be either one of my two favorite players ever, being either Derek Jeter or Lou Gehrig. I love the both of them so much. I Just for the sake of history, even though I would love to be with Derek Jeter, please don't get me wrong, I think I would really love to just hang out with Lou Gehrig. I just think that would be just totally indescribable. (laughs) I wouldn't even know what to do or say. I'd just be kind of (laughs) frozen. So I think it would just be an incredible experience. Uh, So I guess I'll pick Gehrig, even though Jeter's my favorite player ever, but I'll pick Gehrig. And manager? There's so many. There's Billy Martin. There's Casey Stengel. So many great old-time managers. 
<sighs> I don't know. I guess I'll go with... I'll go with Billy Martin. Screw it. <laughs> Just, I think he was so crazy and so passionate about the job. And he was also a champion too, so... I, I think I'll just, for entertainment purposes, I'll, I'll pick Billy Martin. <laughs> but thank you for the question, Rob. And also, of course, thank you to Ryan and also Rebecca for their questions as well. Next, we've got at Laura underscore Icemont. And Laura asks, do you believe the acquisition of Rizzo and Gallo changed the team chemistry for the better? Yeah, I definitely do. <laughs> Absolutely. Bringing around two bats like that and also two great defenders in their respective positions... Like I said before with the other reply, and even like I said at times last week, and I'll probably say later too, those kind of changes and those kind of additions, they can revamp a team. They definitely can. They can bring about confidence. They can bring about new bonds and friendships behind the scenes. It could change a whole bunch. Absolutely. I I definitely think they have. And like I said before, even though it's for a short time so far, in the era of Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo, Coming into today's game here on Sunday, they've only lost one game in the last week and a half or so, so something's changed, (laughs) that's for sure. At Musician DMD, Spencer, my friend Spencer asks, Before the trade, I didn't feel like the New York Yankees would make the playoffs. Now, I feel like they have a strong chance to earn a playoff spot. I feel like they can persevere through any challenge, such as Chapman's recent placement on the I.L., How has your outlook changed on this season's Yankees? Well, first of all, I'll just reiterate my playoff take, I guess, on them from weeks and weeks. (laughs) But my playoff take basically remains the same, Spencer. And that is that I've always just said throughout the times when I was asking you guys how you feel about the Yankees' playoff chances that I was between no and I just don't know. But I was really mainly an I don't know. Because a lot of things were still up in the air, as I just said before. The trade deadline was still ahead, and nobody knew what the Yankees were going to do at that time. And there were just still a ton of games left to play, and the wild card was still very much within reach, like it is still right now, even closer as a matter of fact. So, I've always just been an I don't know. So, while I'm still I don't know, because the Yankees have not locked onto a playoff spot yet, I'm definitely even more confident than I was before. There's no doubt about that. So I guess it's gotten more optimistic, but I never said that the Yankees were dead. So in that matter, my opinion hasn't really changed. It's just that, of course, throughout the last few weeks, and understandably so since they've been playing so much better, my confidence has increased, as has everyone else's, I think, or almost everyone else's. But yeah, about Chapman's IL stint, that's... (laughs) Despite how much of a tough time he's had a lot of the time the last couple of months, that is, that's a blow to the bullpen. A bullpen that's been very good. So, and we'll be talking about that later on, of course, in recap as well. So, I'm yet to discuss that in further detail. But as for now, yeah, that's, it's tough. That's really tough. And I think that they could persevere through it too, because like I said, the bullpen's been doing great, especially when you add in the addition of some fantastic arms like Clay Holmes, who they got at the deadline, of course or a few days before the deadline, I should say, which I was indifferent about at the time, and now I'm really, really loving it. And also the calling up of Steven Ridings, for instance. He has been terrific. I don't know where this guy has been or why we've heard nothing about him in the past, because this guy's got electric stuff. Between how electric his fastball is and just the crazy movement that his slider has. So I think the Yankees have acquired some more arms or bought up more arms that could 
even though Chapman's a big loss, really lessen the devastation of losing him to injury. So that's my opinion on your question, I suppose, Spencer. I thank you for the question. And yeah, that's basically it for me. I, I While I never counted them out completely, I was really in the I don't know phase, even when they were doing absolutely horrible, simply because the wild card was well within reach and the trade deadline was yet to come around and because of how many games there were left. You know, anything's possible. A great second half can turn any bad season around. So my confidence was never at zero. It was at I don't know, but understandably so because how much better they've done, it's increased recently. Hope that answers your question. Although I will say one thing that I'm starting to look wrong about, and I did say this and understandably so at the time because like I said in the introduction, they were like 10 games behind Boston in first place not long ago, like a week or a week and a half ago. I did say that I think the division is cooked, like it's over. And even that's gotten a bit interesting lately, so I could end up being wrong about that. But anyways, up next we have... At Sad Yankee Fan 96 and they ask, one bad stretch and they may not even make the playoffs. Do you think they'll have a bad stretch that'll hurt their playoff chances? That's a good question. I mean, listen, the Yankees aren't going to win every game. Like, even if they lose later today... I mean, I'll, I'll be upset, of course, because I never like losing. But at the same time, they'll still have taken three out of four, and the main goal is to just keep on winning series. You got to win most of the games, at least, especially if you're in the Yankees' shoes with the hole they put themselves in, with the horrible first half they had. So, of course, yeah, a bad stretch at this point would be devastating, especially if the other teams you're chasing, like the A's, the Red Sox, even the Rays at the top of the division— If they keep on winning and that results in them gaining a lot of ground amidst you losing constantly, then yeah, that could certainly hurt your chances. Absolutely. Do I think they'll hit a really rough stretch? I don't think so. I don't really think so. I I believe the Yankees will be good to go for at least a good amount of the rest of the second half. They know it's on the line and it's up to them. And I think they'll still have their losses, even their tough ones here and there. But yeah, they have to do all they can to prevent a stretch of bad games. Because you're right. Especially if amidst your bad stretch, the other teams who you're chasing just keep on winning, 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 winning. You're going to lose a lot of ground. And the more games pass, the closer you get to the end. So, no, but I don't think they'll hit a really bad stretch from here on out anymore. They'll still lose their games here and there because that's inevitable. But I don't think they'll hit a bad stretch. They've had a great stretch going for weeks now, as I mentioned in the introduction. But that's not to say that they don't have some difficulties to overcome, because they do. I mean, with the Rizzo news today, which is devastating, which I will I will be sure to mention later on at the end of recap, and all the other people they've lost to the COVID IL with their third outbreak <laughs> this past week, and also just the injuries continue too. They have had to face a lot of difficulties other than just plain losing the games. There have been... A lot of tough hardships for them to deal with, with injuries and COVID and the whole... It's just a mess. So, all things considered, I think they still have what it takes to prevent any legitimately bad stretches going forward. I just believe that. But we'll see. All right, let's do maybe a couple more here on Twitter. Just taking a couple, and then I'm going to take a few on Instagram. So maybe totaling, I don't know, anywhere from like 10 to 13 questions or something like that. We'll see. We're making decent timing right now. Next, we have at Sean 9966 and Sean asks, what will happen to Luke Voigt? 
Well, I know these questions were asked yesterday, so I know there was no way of you guys knowing that what was announced about Rizzo this morning would happen. So I don't blame you there. But especially as of now, with what happened with Rizzo, uh, you're going to be seeing a lot more Luke since he is officially back from injury today. So you're going to be seeing a lot of him. But I, I know what you're asking. So when Rizzo is back and Luke is still around for whatever part of the rest of the season is left for when Rizzo comes back and also assuming Luke stays healthy going forward once Rizzo returns. It's tough. I mean, you're going to be seeing Rizzo at first base. There's no doubt about that. That's Nobody's moving Rizzo from first. He's too big of a presence there, both in the lineup and especially defensively as well. So what will happen to Luke is I would hope that they try to DH him amidst keeping Stanton in the outfield, especially with how comfortable Stanton's looked out there. I mean, he's missed multiple years since 2019, as a matter of fact, with playing the outfield. And being placed out there again this year, you wouldn't think he's missed any time at all. He still looks so smooth and comfortable out there with the way he settles under fly balls, the route he takes, he's still got a good arm. So hell, keep throwing Stanton out there. Keep throwing him out there and allow Luke to DH. And at the same time, you could still have Rizzo playing first and nothing else gets affected. So, I would think that that's the route they go down once Rizzo returns and in the event that Voight stays healthy going forward, I would think that's what they do. And I would hope that's what they would do. Keep throwing Stanton out there in the outfield, whether it be left field or right field, DH Voight, and you could still have Rizzo over at first. Alright, let's do two more. Two more. Up next is at Andrew Caruso 77 And Andrew asks... Do you see Luke getting dealt during the offseason if the Yanks re-sign Rizzo so that Stanton can continue DHing? Well, during the offseason, I mean, during the trade deadline, it was announced that the Yankees were putting multiple deals together that included Luke Voigt that just never really went through. So during the offseason, I think it is a good chance that you do see Voigt dealt if Rizzo is re-signed. Yeah, I'll say yes to that. Especially if dealing Luke also means that you could improve in another essential area, like starting pitching, maybe. And like I said last week or two weeks ago, I can't remember which episode specifically, but I know I said that my patience was running low with Luke because of his injury troubles, And but there are still aspects, like I also said, that I like about Luke. So if he were to go, I'd be sad. But I mean, if it's for Anthony Rizzo, it's clear who the better first baseman is. Even though Luke is, I, I like Luke. He's a good hitter. He ha, he doesn't have as bad a glove as people say he does. I, I still think he makes his good plays. There are a lot of easy plays that he doesn't make that he should make, and his glove could definitely be better. I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying he's not as god-awful as some people say he is. He still makes his good plays. And of course, the fire and passion that comes with him, it would be missed. I would miss some things about Luke Voigt. But when it comes to who's the better first baseman, there's not even a discussion, if you ask me. So if they re-sign Rizzo, yeah, I think it's safe to say that Luke probably goes. And in the event of that, I guess the DH would still be good for Stanton, yeah. But I personally want Stanton to stay in the outfield. I like how he still looks out there. I think it's good for him physically. He still gets hurt as a DH anyway, so I figure when people say, oh, you know, could increase injury if he goes out in the outfield, well, he was already getting hurt as a DH, so what's the difference? <laughs> I actually think it's good if he just keeps on getting movement out there, gets reps, and he's doing something else other than hitting. I mean, especially when he's going through a bad stretch of hitting. Sometimes you do something great defensively. If you're out there getting reps and you feel good about your defensive game, sometimes that'll translate to offense too. 
and that'll help you feel more confidence offensively. That kind of thing does happen in baseball, you know. So I want Stanton to keep on getting outfield reps. I do. But if Voigt were to leave and you wouldn't have to keep putting Stanton in the outfield, then I guess you have Stanton continue DHing after Voigt leaves. I would imagine. <laughs> so that's my opinion on that, Andrew. And like I said before, I do hope the Yankees re-sign Rizzo. I just, I think he's just too massive to let just go. But anyways, let's finish up with one more here on Twitter. We've taken a decent amount here, and then we'll do a few over on Instagram before moving on to recap and news. Lastly, here on Twitter, we have at OSV227Hex, and they ask, what are the chances of the Yankees going after Seager in the offseason? Well, that depends on how the rest of the season goes, for instance, and how many changes happen. Do you let Luke Voigt go, so you just have Rizzo over at first if you even re-sign him? What's the deal with Glaber going forward? So there are a lot of factors here, but I mean, I think it goes without saying that I would love Corey Seager on the Yankees. I mean, he just, he's a terrific hitter. He would bring even more balance to the lineup as a lefty. You would have a legitimate shortstop. I mean, it would just be terrific. But a lot of things would have to happen in the infield in order to fit him in. So I'm not sure it's going to happen. If Rizzo returns and DJ is still at second... I don't really see them doing anything with Glaber Torres. I know they probably want to do all they can to slide him back to second base, but if DJ's still there and you still have Geo, I don't really know how you do that <laughs> without maybe even getting rid of Glaber. I don't know. They would have to shift around the infield a lot. They would have to make a lot of moves in order to fit him in somewhere so that he could be the steady shortstop. So I don't really know. I don't think the chances are good of Corey coming here, even though in a fantasy land, I would love to have Corey Seager as a Yankee, but especially with Rizzo being here, and if they re-sign him for next year, and even for the future possibly, I don't really know if I like the chances. I, I don't. But, of course, I could be wrong. Who knows? But in any event, I want to thank each and every one of you on Twitter for submitting these questions. I love them all. Really good questions, as always, for whenever we do a Q&A. And if I didn't get to yours, as always, I'm as usual, I'm sorry. There are just too many interactions, too many replies that come in, and I just can't get to all of them. I'm sorry. <laughs> I do my best. As you can tell every week, I really do my best to get as many of you in as I can. So, again, the same remains true here. I did my best. But we're going to do a few over on Instagram before we move on to our next segment. Let's head on over there. First question on Instagram today comes from... The Sports Dudes 28, and they ask, if Rizzo isn't here next year, how will you feel about watching Voight after seeing Rizzo hit and play first base the way he has? Well, defensively, like I said, there's no doubt that there would be a step down from Rizzo. There's no doubt about that. And in some ways, even offensively, it'd be a step down because Rizzo, how he chokes up on the bat with two strikes, just really does all he can to put the bat on the ball and even hits lefty pitching great as a left-handed hitter who adds that balance to the lineup. Just being a lefty, just takes the ball the other way, takes the ball to all sides of the field and even has power. I mean, like I said, Rizzo just brings an unbelievable amount of positives to his game all around. So Voight, as opposed to Rizzo, is a step down. He is. But at the same time, Voight definitely has his positive attributes, like I said. He is a solid hitter, he brings a lot of passion to the team, and he's not as bad a first baseman as people say he is. I'm sorry, I will die on that hill. I will. He's not a terrific first baseman by any means, 
but people make it sound like he's the worst defensive first baseman on the face of the earth who ever existed, and I'm sorry, that's just not true. He still makes his share of really, really nice plays. But he also does have his negatives, of course. He strikes out a lot, but who doesn't? And I don't really see that as just being the only metric on judging a player, how much they strike out. It's just such a prevalent thing in today's game, striking out. So, it's just the game today. It is what it is. But he could afford to be better at first. And he's injured a lot. (laughs) A lot. And I know that that also might not be too fair because a lot of other people get hurt too, but it's it's true. If we're talking about Luke Voigt here, and he gets hurt a lot, what do you want from me? So, there are a lot of things that, you know, have Voigt being a significant step down from Rizzo. So, while it would be a bummer to watch Rizzo go, it really would. I'd, I'd be upset if they don't re-sign him. It'd be sad. I, I really want him to be the Yankees' first baseman for years to come. But I, I also wouldn't be destroyed if Luke was left here as the first baseman. I wouldn't be utterly destroyed, but it would be a significant step down. So I'd be sad, but there would still be plenty of things about Luke Voigt that I'd be happy to see again, I guess. So I guess that's my answer. <laughs> I think it's pretty fair. All right, next we have Mountain Gal 456, my good friend Tina. And Tina says, Do you think with the addition of Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo that the entire team seems to be in a better mood and playing with a lot more confidence? Thanks, Mike. Well, thank you for the question, Tina. And thank you again to the rest of you as well. But, yeah, pretty similar to, I think it was Laura's question earlier, I think. But... Yeah, I'll, I'll say what I said to Laura before right now. Yeah, I, I think it definitely has changed a lot of things. I mean, just in general, we know how a couple of solid trade deadline acquisitions can really boost confidence and morale with the team. It shows them that the front office and the higher-ups care, and it also provides a spark just how good the players are in themselves and the fact that they feel, hey, we got some reinforcements, now let's go and do this thing. Not to mention the fact that all the players have just constantly said, including Gallo and Rizzo themselves about the other regular Yankees, that as far as friendships and behind the scenes go, it seems like they all feel like they've known each other for years already. They just kind of gelled together, I guess. Which is really good. And I think we've seen the positive effect of all that this last week and a half or so. I think we really have. And it's pretty ironic that I make this counterpoint because... The Yankees are facing the Mariners this weekend, but it shows you just how much of an effect the trade deadline can, in fact, have on a team or organization, like the Mariners, for instance, on the other hand, being a negative effect, how they got rid of their closer, Graveman, giving them to a division rival in the Houston Astros during a playoff push with the wild card, and the players voiced their frustration against the higher-ups in the Mariners organization. And ever since that happened... One can definitely say, I mean, it's a statistical fact if you look at how the Mariners have been playing since the deadline, but they've been playing much worse, and it's had a negative effect on them. And with the Yankees, you could see the positive effect, which is why when I was talking about the Yankees' playoff hopes, even going back as far as maybe a month or two ago, I was saying that we should really wait to see what happens at the deadline. The deadline is a factor if the organization does either the wrong or the right things. It could really have an effect on the future. And now we're seeing that. That's exactly what we've seen. So, yeah, like I said to Laura before, I think that Gallo and Rizzo definitely have provided a positive force for the Yankees and their attitude, their mindset, and the result of the games have been far different than a lot of what we saw throughout the awful first half. 
So yeah, Tina, absolutely. All right, let's finish up with the usual two. First off, we have my girlfriend, Vic Salimo, and Vic asks, if we sweep tomorrow, do you feel confident that we will make it to the World Series? All right, so obviously she means today, because again, these questions were submitted yesterday. But, I mean, if they sweep today, I don't know about the World Series. I mean, there's still there's still so much work to be done, and they haven't even locked up officially a playoff spot yet. They haven't even gotten into one, so... There's still a lot of work to be done, so no. <laughs> but I think there's a good chance that if they make the playoffs, whether it be through wild card or miraculously, I mean, less miraculously than weeks ago because they're much closer than they were weeks ago to this, but even if they win the division, I definitely think that they can make the World Series after that. Hopefully they do. But, I mean, a sweep today alone, I mean, they just have so much work left to do. There's still a good amount of baseball left to be played. Uh, no. <laughs> There's still plenty of work left to be done after today's game, whether they win or lose. It won't sway me in either direction, really. Still a lot left to go. They gotta keep winning series, they gotta keep chipping away, and whenever they're not facing their opponents that they're chasing down head-to-head, they gotta hope that they keep on losing their games in whatever games they're a part of as well, like the Athletics, the Red Sox, even the Rays. They gotta hope that those teams keep losing their games too, while the Yankees keep on hopefully winning games, winning series, and chipping away at their leads. That's not to say that a sweep today wouldn't be lovely, because it would be, especially with the Yankees' difficulty sweeping, especially before last weekend against the Marlins. They did complete that sweep, as you'll here in recap shortly, and also as you probably remember, I would hope. But before that, obviously there were four and ten in sweep games. Now they're five and ten after last Sunday. So because of that fact and how awful they are at sweeping this year, and also just playing on Sundays in general and day games, a sweep would definitely be amazing. I would love a sweep today, especially because it's a four-game set. It would be that much more impressive. But again, regardless, there's still so much work left to be done. At the end of the day, today is still just one game. And regardless of the result, I won't really be swayed in either direction. When it comes to the World Series, it would definitely help in the playoff push, but when it comes to the World Series, no. There's still too much work left to be done, and who even knows what's to happen when they actually even reach the playoffs, or if they do. All right, we've made good timing with this today. Let's finish up, as always, with my mother, Julia Gina Scudero, and she asks, Who would have thought that only two people could actually salvage a team? Rizzo and Gallo are doing that in many ways, not only playing very well, but also as a moral booster to a highly struggling team before they showed up. My question to you, Mike, is do you think Cashman and Steinbrenner finally realize the trouble their decisions have landed this team in? Do you still think that Boone's career with the Yankees will be salvaged if they ultimately make the playoffs, or better yet, win a World Series? Alright, so I guess there's two questions in one. I'll try to nail them both. But as far as Cashman and Steinbrenner finally realizing their decisions... I guess they finally did as far as lacking balance in their lineup because they went out there and got a couple of really solid lefties. (laughs) So, you know, they they play in a stadium that is a short porch in right field literally designed for lefties, and they put together an entire righty lineup with the exception of guys like Gardner and Odor, who they didn't even get until after the season started. So, yeah, when it comes to lacking balance in their lineup, I guess they finally did come to the error in their ways when they looked at how the lineup was constructed because they went out there and got Gallo. They got Rizzo. And now they have that long-sought balance in their lineup, at least much more so than prior. And they deserve credit for that. They got basically all these moves done 
without paying a penny for them either. (laughs) They got the opposing teams, especially the Rangers and the Cubs for Gallo and Rizzo respectively, to pay their salaries, which is even more impressive. So they do deserve credit for that, despite our valid criticisms of them in weeks past. But yeah, I think in that sense, they definitely did come to their senses. And when it comes to Boone's career or chances as returning as a manager, I think if they win the World Series, I think you see him back. If they don't make the playoffs, I've said in many weeks prior, regardless of whether or not it would change the team, I've already spoken about this a million times, I'm not going to rehash it, but I think if the Yankees miss the playoffs altogether, I don't see how Boone doesn't end up being the fall guy and getting fired at the end of the season. I definitely think that does happen, if that is to take place. If they just make the playoffs but don't go all the way, he'll probably stick around. I'm not really 100% sure, but because of how much they love him in the Yankee organization, I imagine they'll find a way to keep him around. But if they win the World Series, then I I think he's sticking around. (laughs) So that's my opinion on the Boone question. So I hope both of my answers make sense to you, Mom, and I hope all of my answers to the rest of you made sense as well (laughs) and was to your liking. But regardless, again, guys, Thank you so, so much for all of your questions for this week's social media Q&A. I appreciate your interaction so, so much. You guys know that. And especially on Twitter because you can't see them on Instagram because it's done through DM and you don't have access to my DMs. So if you want to see some of the questions submitted on Twitter that I either did or didn't get to, then just head on over to my Twitter page as always, at Mike Scudero, that's the handle, and just scroll down to the Q&A tweet and... All of the questions should be down there in the comments. And as always, I apologize to those of you who I did not get to for this week like I have in in weeks past because, again, it's just too much. I can't get to all of them, whether it be a poll or a Q&A or an open-ended question. No matter what it is, I just can't get to all of them every week because there's too many of you, which is awesome. That's how I want it. (laughs) And I thank each and every one of you as always. I love you all so, so much. But... To finish up the show now, like always, we now move on to all the news and all of the action from this past week with the weekly recap segment. So why don't you come right along and hop into the Yapping Yankees time machine with me as we go back to last Sunday. Here we go. Let's do it. All right, back to last Sunday we go. If you remember, it was the final game of the three-game set against the Marlins. The Yanks were looking for the sweep, which, as we've said very often, they've had a tough time doing this year. Going into last Sunday's game, as I mentioned earlier, they had a 4-10 and record on the year in games where they were attempting to sweep, let alone how bad they also had been in day games and still mostly are. <laughs> But that day, they would get the job done after winning 3-1. to one. Nice little rhyme there. <laughs> Montgomery started, and we'd also spoken about how he's gotten virtually no run support whatsoever in the vast majority of his starts, and I had also mentioned that he had had 11 no decisions this year. 11! And guess what? Sunday... Gave the poor guy his 12th. (laughs) 12 no decisions. Can you imagine that? 
Uh, because despite pitching terrifically outside of the first inning, they didn't score for him. Again. And he threw almost 30 pitches in that first inning. And in a huge jam, only allowed one run. Which is the only run the Marlins would score the whole day. But Monty ended up pitching five innings total, three hits, the one run in the first, one walk, and five strikeouts. He really corrected nicely after that first inning, and he ended up doing a great job. And the offense was, again, completely dormant. Marlins pitching, especially Alcantara on Sunday, was just really showing their talent. Got a lot of great young arms there, but their good fortune would run out in the eighth inning. Finally. (laughs) With a little help from their crappy defense, which is the worst around, on... What should have been a double play ball by Stanton that turned into a crucial error, followed by some more clutch hitting by Anthony Rizzo on a game-tying single, immediately followed by an RBI single by Judge, the Yanks took a 2-1 lead. An eventful inning indeed. And now that I think about it, that's another rhyme. As George Lucas says, it's like poetry, it rhymes. And then, after two more errors in the ninth on a Gardner ground ball, Glaber would come home to score the Yankees' third run, and after the bullpen pitched four innings shutout after Montgomery, Clay Holmes an inning and two-thirds shutout, Joely Rodriguez the final out of the seventh, Zach Britton a shutout eighth, and Chapman a stellar ninth for his 22nd save, the Yanks would seal the 3-1 victory, and finally end a series on a high note with a sweep. It's too bad that high note would crash and burn in about three seconds on Monday, though, because the Yankees had a miserable game on Monday. Andrew Heaney, who, again, they acquired mere minutes before the trade deadline, started the game, and if you remember last week when I spoke about the Yankees picking him up, I said he can get his strikeouts, but he's also very susceptible to solid contact, such as home runs, and he just doesn't have the best of stuff, and some might even say I'm being very kind when I say that, well, that all happened on Monday. (laughs) Quite a bit. In four innings, the guy gave up four solo shots. So needless to say, it became a derby in the third and fourth innings. So the Yankees fell behind four to nothing. Rodriguez would give up two more runs afterwards, And Albert Abreu would give one up too. So, seven runs after Albert Abreu gave up his one run. Seven runs to the Orioles, who came into the series 30 games. 30 games under 500. (laughs) And the Yankee offense threw a slumber party. I even made a joke the other day about it on Twitter when I said, there's a slumber party being thrown at Yankee Stadium's address being hosted by the Yankee offense. And it had pretty popular reception on Twitter, so I just am reiterating it here. (laughs) It took them until Joey Gallo's double in the sixth freaking inning to even get a hit against six ERA Jorge Lopez. And on the whole night, they only got one lousy run on a sack fly by Anthony Rizzo in the fifth. So, pretty embarrassing game for the Yankees to start the series when... As we know, they're in the middle of a playoff push. But that's basically all there is to say about that game. 
really not much else to say. But the hits would not stop coming. Because after the game, Monday was just a terrific day, the Yankees announced that Garrett Cole, who was supposed to start the next day on Tuesday, tested positive for COVID. More COVID problems. But wait, that's not all. Now it's time for me to start sounding like a freaking advertisement. Gio Urshela, after they tried to rest him all weekend, only playing him very little in Miami when he was having his hamstring problems. Well, Monday night, it was announced that he ended up on the injured list anyway. So yeah, all in the same night. (laughs) Garrett Cole to the COVID IL and Gio to the regular IL with his hamstring problems. And they said it was just to give him more time and to have someone else come up in the meantime because they did say that he was doing better with the hamstring and they were able to retro it as well when they placed him on the IL or backdate him for those who don't know what retro means. But just from such a high after the trade deadline and finally sweeping a series in Miami and then you just get embarrassed by the Orioles on Monday, your ace gets covid and your third baseman lands on the IL. I mean, at the time, you were just thinking, if that's not an overall mood for the way this entire season has gone for this team, then I just I just don't know what is. That's what you were thinking to yourself at that point. Just such a crappy day. And, and you just know that Monday was terrible when the highlight of the whole night was that damn cat darting across the field. <laughs> It definitely provided better entertainment than the Bats, but that whole situation was hysterical. But, I mean, when that's the highlight of the night, I mean, you just know. (laughs) Uh, Tuesday, since Gio hit the IL and Cole tested positive, it was time for the Yankees to call on more help from the minor leagues. And one of those names was known number four Yankee prospect, who I've mentioned a great deal in the past, especially amidst trade deadline talk the last few weeks, Luis Heal. And I've actually pronounced his name wrong in the past, I'll admit. I'm usually really good with names, but I pronounced the G in Heal because it's spelt G-I-L. So, that's my bad. (laughs) But anyway, I was really excited to see him pitch. And I have been for a while now, because you've only ever heard good things about the kid other than the fact that he has to get his control and command under control a bit. But you've always heard that the kid is loaded with talent, so when they made this announcement, I was really excited. And he did get the start on Tuesday in place of Garrett Cole. But not before there was another COVID positive. In not just your average or crappy player, but in a player who's been a source of stability in this starting rotation lately, in Jordan Montgomery. So the bullpen already had an outbreak. The offense did. People in the organization did behind the scenes. And now a couple of the best starters in the rotation do. And if you include the Herman injury, you are now three starters down. Four if you include Kluber. And five if you include Severino. Dropping like flies. (laughs) So for the millionth time this season, again, like I said before, this is what you're thinking at the time before the game, when things seem to be heading in the right direction, injuries, COVID, 
or even just underperforming. The whole deal. It just never ends. It never ends. So for more help, the Yanks called up two other prospects, Stephen Ridings and Brody Corner. And they even claimed Jonathan Davis off waivers from the Blue Jays. So to say the least, things were really hectic at this point of the week. At least the game was a good pick-me-up, though. Actually, a great one, because the Yankees won 13-1. to <laughs> 13 freaking runs. A season high for a game. I'll tell you, the Yankee hitting parade, it doesn't come around often this year, but when it does, it's a thing of beauty. The 13 runs came in the second, third, fourth, and eighth innings, and everyone joined the hit parade. Glaber, RBI double. DJ, RBI double, which was nice to see since he hasn't elevated the ball much this year, as we know. Rizzo, RBI single. Stanton, RBI single. Gary, RBI double. Glaber, sack fly. A Stanton three-run homer. First homer for him in what felt like an eternity. Even Tyler Wade. Even he joined in at the end with a two-run double to make it 11-1. to That's when you know. Rizzo also got an RBI ground out. And Judge hit a solo home run, which was also the first home run for him in a while. So the Yankee offense just blitzed the Orioles on Tuesday. And pitching-wise, it was the night of Major League debuting studs. Starting with, as I said before, who I couldn't wait to see his debut, Luis Heal. And my God, was he impressive. And between his stuff, his composure, and everything, if you weren't told this, it would have been awfully hard to tell, but again, it was his first start in the bigs, and the kid tossed six shutout innings, only gave up four hits, one walk, and got six strikeouts, also earning him his first major league win. A terrific start for him. Electric high velo fastball, solid slider, and he even incorporated a changeup, which could still use a bit of work, but he's only 23 years old. So, of course, a little more developing would do well for him, but still, fantastic stuff. And you know what? Even that changeup, it looked really good. So, I was very, very happy for him. I loved what he did. I loved watching him pitch. It was great. After that, another name who I mentioned before that they called up, Steven Ridings, another high velo guy. He can go into the hundreds with his fastball, and he has a great slider too, great movement. And he pitched a very nice shutout seventh. I've been very impressed with him so far. In the eighth, also debuting, Brody Corner. He gave up a run, but after a hard hit ball that should have been fielded, but whatever. He got through the inning, and Corner came out Again, and pitched a shutout ninth. So, the Yanks won a rare but very nice rocking chair game, as they call it. One where you could just sit back and enjoy. And they would go for the series win in the rubber game matchup on Wednesday. And they also sent Heel back down to AAA until it was his turn again in the rotation, which is, of course, today. So that in the meantime, they can get someone else onto the roster. And also because he was a replacement player for Cole, since Cole went down with COVID. 
So, Jonathan Davis, who I just mentioned before, was added to the roster. And also, just a quick little update from a piece of news I had last week. Sal Romano, I told you last week that he was DFA'd. And I just wanted to let you know, in case you didn't already see the update, that the Brewers did pick him up off of waivers. So, Sal Romano is now a Brewer. So, best of luck to him. Wednesday, rubber game matchup. Tyone, who, as we know, had been red hot for five starts in a row leading up to Wednesday and had a killer July. I've praised him for it and spoken all about it for a while now. And that continued on Wednesday, thankfully. He allowed three soft contact hits in the first inning, which did result in two runs, just one earned because of a bobble by Gallo in the outfield, so a rare defensive mistake by him. And then he'd later allow a solo shot to Mountcastle. But other than that, Tyone again, he was just terrific. Absolutely locked in. After that irritating first inning for him, he even struck out six of the next seven hitters he faced. And most importantly, he kept the Yanks in the game before they scored their 10 unanswered runs. (laughs) But for Tyone, six and a third, three runs, two earned, four hits, one walk, and ten strikeouts. So another fantastic Tyone start, who, with Garrett Cole out, I'm going to say this, has pretty much been the ace of this beaten up pitching staff. And you know what? Statistically, and this is just the truth, even when Cole was around, in the last month, As I've been saying for weeks, in the last month, Tyone's still been the best Yankee starter. Love it. I absolutely love the resurgence that he has had. And I'm just going to keep praising the guy because he deserves it. He's been amazing. And especially because, as I've said for the entire season, for how easy of a guy he is to root for and everything he's been through, it's just awesome to see. I love it. Luizica would get the final two outs of the seventh after him, followed by a scoreless eighth by Holmes, who, as I said in the social media segment, just continues to look like a great pickup, and a scoreless ninth by Albert Abreu, both with huge leads. And speaking of that lead and those 10 unanswered runs in this 10-3 victory, yeah, 10 runs... (laughs) Second consecutive night with 10 or more runs for the Yankees for the first time this year. And you best believe I was there asking, who the hell are these Yankees? <laughs> after going down 3 to nothing, Anthony Rizzo, solo shot, after having one of the best at-bats I have seen in his first at-bat. <laughs> 13 pitch at-bat with multiple long foul balls, resulting in a walk. And then, as I just said, in his second and next at-bat, that was when he finally got a hold of one for real. (laughs) He really is the epitome of a professional hitter, man. I love him. After that, Glaber, RBI single. DJ, game-tying RBI single. And then he would give them the lead, too. Two innings later, on another RBI single, he had himself a hell of a night. Then Giancarlo, with the bases loaded, blooped a hit into right, and that bloop would be good enough for a bases-clearing double. (laughs) Followed by a Glaber RBI double, 
And then a DJ two-run double for runs 9 and 10. Much needed for RBI night for DJ. Coming through with runners in scoring position like his 2019 and 2020 self. Yanks won again 10-3. Officially taking their 7th out of their prior 8 series. Like I always say, just win series. That's the goal. Took them 9 games over 500. Tied for the most games over 500 that they've been this year, at least before where we are right now, and just a really strong finish to a high scoring series, at least in games two and three. (laughs) So another awesome game on Wednesday. Too bad after the game, something sad had to happen to divert our attention away from the happiness, but the Yanks sent Greg Allen Back to triple A. And it's tough because the guy was solid up here. But nope, you have to sacrifice him for Jonathan Davis or even Brett Gardner, for instance. And again, I just want to make this clear. This is coming from someone who respects and admires Gardner's loyalty and dedication to the Yanks over the years. I've said that over and over again, more times than I care to count and someone who understands this roster-wise, internally, but also having to do with Jonathan Davis. I understand that if they didn't do this, like if they sent Jonathan Davis down after being claimed off waivers without options, because he doesn't have an option, then they could have lost him, and that Allen was a COVID replacement player, and that they're obviously not going to cut Gardner. I get it. I get it. And I don't even want Gardner cut or gone. Just not every day. Or almost every day, like Cashman says. (laughs) But I get the situation, guys. I understand. Hopefully by now, you guys realize I'm not an imbecile. But nevertheless, even with Gardner, I said it on Twitter, I'll repeat it, as close to word for word as I can, but the stench of the Yankees continuing to go with overall just playing better options than Brett Gardner, lingers on. And this isn't Gardner hate. Anyone who knows me should know I don't hate him at all. I don't hate Gardner. I mean, if anything, that statement, it's an indictment on the Yankees. Anyone who knows me should know that I don't hate Brett Gardner, not by any means. I just think that there are better everyday options. I said in the offseason that I wanted him back as a bench player, as a fill-in, not as an everyday player. I've stayed consistent with that, and I still will. And I know, I know that he walked it off Friday night, which I was thrilled about. I want him to do well. He's a Yankee. (laughs) And I also get that he's playing a ton because of things like injuries to Hicks, Injuries and underperforming by Clint, and so on and so forth. Again, I get it, guys. I get it. I feel the need to make my feelings clear on this since people are so quick to jump. Once more, just so no one misunderstands, I'm simply acknowledging that I think there are better and younger options right now to play more frequently, i.e. Greg Allen, even defensively with Allen's speed and much better arm. I'm fine with Gardner being on the bench, but not out there frequently. That's all. Not when there are better options like Greg Allen. 
despite the short time that he was up here for. I'm fine with Gardner being on the bench, but not out there frequently. That's all. And since Davis is mainly known for his speed and great outfield defense, for the sake of also having done well offensively in his time up here, I would also rather Allen than Davis, as I said before. Davis is a horrible hitter. So I was sad to hear about Greg Allen being sent back down. I felt bad for him, and I still do. And I hope we see him again, and I'm sure we will, but it's unfortunate the way that the cookie crumbles in baseball sometimes. And I'm sorry if you don't see eye to eye about my Gardner point, but just don't label me a Gardner hater. That's all I ask, because I'm not. That would be completely unfair, but let's just continue. Thursday, more COVID news heading into Thursday's game. It just, it never ends, guys. It never ends. Gary Sanchez tested positive for COVID. I mean, I just don't have any more words for it. I mean, especially given the news that came out this morning about Rizzo, but I just don't have any more words. I really don't. Like the rest, obviously, the knee-jerk reaction is that you hope they're okay, and then you just throw your hands up in the air and say that you just can't believe it anymore. It's gotten to such a point that, what do you even say? What do you say? I don't know. (laughs) I feel like it's gotten most of the 26-man roster. It's crazy. I mean, at least they reactivated Wandy Peralta, right? (laughs) Uh, Anyway, because of Gary coming down with COVID, Rob Brantley was brought back too, to back up Higgy, so... All right, Thursday's game. At least the game brought happiness. A lot of it. As a matter of fact, I freaking love this game. Back and forth and back and forth, with the Yanks eventually coming out on top in the end, thanks to Joey Gallo. Three for four in the night with that big go-ahead three-run blast, of course. But before we get to that, Nestor Cortez started, and a nice start again by him. Five innings, just giving up two runs. Did give up five hits and three walks and only striking out two, but he did what he had to do. So again, Nestor Cortez keeping up the great work, (laughs) being so reliable in that rotation. And the Yanks backed him up with two runs on a Glaber sack fly and an RBI ground out by Higgy. And later in the seventh, Chad Green then gave up a go-ahead solo shot in his second inning of work. But as I said, the Yanks had the comeback spirit. Answering back right away in the bottom half of the seventh, two-out rally, Judge single, Stanton single, and then the big blow, Joey freaking Gallo with a G with his first Yankee home run. And good God in heaven, was it a massive one in a big game like this. Well, every game these days is big, but you know what I mean. This is an important series. (laughs) Anyway, big, towering, high blast right into the short porch. Had to be one of the highest home runs I've ever seen. And it gave the Yankees a 5-3 lead. And Britton and Chapman would wrap it up. Chapman nearly sending all of us into cardiac arrest as usual. I almost wet myself on contact with Hanniger's fly ball. And God bless Anthony Rizzo, too, for 
making that scoop for the first out of the inning, too. He's just incredible. Like I said, having a first baseman like that, it just it elevates the rest of the infield, too. It gives them more confidence, makes them less stressed about throwing, but I already mentioned that before. We already know what the remarkable ability of Anthony Rizzo does for the rest of the infield. But Chap got the job done. Yanks won 5-3, to three, and in doing so, opened up a big four-game set against the Mariners with a big win, taking them to 10 games over 500 for the first time this season. Friday's game. <laughs> what a game, my God. Full of nothingness. Until towards the end, when it turned into a nerve-wracking nail-biter. Throughout the game, though, since it was a bullpen game, especially thanks to extra innings, or Manfred League Baseball, like I like to call it this year, the Yanks used nine pitchers. Nine! (laughs) A crazy freaking game. So, you know what? Let's do a crazy freaking challenge. I'll call this one the... Recap the game as fast as you can challenge. Here we go. Peralta started. He did a terrific job. Inning and two-thirds scoreless. Ridings after him. Inning and a third scoreless. Rodriguez, scoreless inning. Holmes, an inning and a third. And a run charged to him that Litke allowed to score for the game's first run. For the Mariners, he also pitched an inning and a third. Loisica, an inning and a third scoreless through the eighth. At which point, the Yanks finally decided to score and tie the game at one on a judge sack fly. Then Britain, scoreless ninth, followed by Manfred League Baseball. Chad Green in the 10th allows an RBI single as he gets beaten on his curveball for what feels like the 32nd time, despite the hitter being unable to catch up with his fastball. Ghost Runner scores and gives the Mariners a 2-1 lead in the 10th. Bottom of the 10th. Yankees retie on a massive Stanton RBI single. Top of the 11th, ninth pitcher used, Albert Abreu. Terrific scoreless inning, runner on second and all. And the bottom of the 11th, like I said earlier, Brett freaking Gardner, RBI single, Gallo scores, first walk-off for Gardner since 2017, and my God, did he need that with how he struggled this year on the whole. Yankees win a torturous yet incredible game to keep their winning ways going 3-2 in 11. How did I do? Good? Good. Awesome. (laughs) I'm such a moron. (laughs) All honesty, though, wild freaking game. Absolutely wild. I was going nuts. I was legit losing my mind. But not only for the sake of continuing to climb up in all standings and just winning, but I was even saying, too, with Heaney going the next day on Saturday, yesterday, obviously, and with so little backup in the bullpen behind him, I mean, that just made this win on Friday even more important. But what a job by the bullpen, too. Just a wonderful job. And pieced together very well by the Yankees, too, might I add. Nine pitchers, 11 innings, and only two runs given up in the meantime, one of them during the extra innings antics. I mean, that's just amazing. It's amazing. The last thing you want on a bullpen day is extra innings, but 
The Yanks got it, and they did the best they could do with it. And this win, by the way, also put them at 11 games over 500. And Saturday, they would make it 12 over 500. And at least officially take, like I said at the start of the show, their eighth of their last nine series. And I say at least, again, because they could sweep today and make it even better. But not before getting some more pretty bad news. Being that Aroldis Chapman, COVID hasn't been enough, right? Well, let's add another injury. Chapman landed on the IL, retroactive to the 6th, with elbow inflammation. Now, we know what pops into our minds upon hearing elbow. Tommy John. But it depends on whether or not it's the UCL, since that's obviously what's operated on in that surgery. And for now, we only know it's just generally elbow inflammation. But nevertheless... The Yankee closer, Aroldis Chapman now, is injured. We'll see for how long, but obviously an elbow injury, in August especially, not good, to say the least. And to take his spot on the roster and for the pen, Nick Nelson was recalled at the time. But again, despite Chapman's struggles at times, it's still really, really tough to lose him. We'll see how long it's for, but as I said, they would still win, despite the bad news. Like I said for Friday, Friday's win was very important with Heaney pitching yesterday and a shortened pen, but they still pulled it off. They pulled off the win, but to start right away, first two innings, Heaney allowed four runs already, so it didn't start off good. He got short-porched by Kyle Seeger on a two-run shot in the first, and a long second inning where he threw like 40 pitches and honestly was lucky to only allow two runs. (laughs) And in the bottom of the first, Judge hit a solo shot, which was a one-handed 420-foot home run. (laughs) So after two innings, the Yanks were down 4-1, to and the offense went very quiet. It wasn't looking hot, but with this team's newfound spirit lately, you just can't count them out anymore nowadays. (laughs) You can't. They're a different team the last few weeks. And with Heaney, I still think he stinks, but you know what? (laughs) I've got to give credit where credit is due. You know I always do that. Because after those first two innings, with the Yanks in desperate need of length after Friday's bullpen game, he settled down and went the next four innings shutout, totaling six innings, and in total, ending up with nine strikeouts on the day. He really bared down, and he deserves credit for that, a lot of it. And after him, Clay Holmes, who, as I said, just, I mean, he's just looking like a terrific pickup. I love his sinker. The velocity's good, and the movement on that thing is just filth. And he's been even spotting that breaking ball beautifully, too. He had a big problem walking people, but he hasn't since coming here. (laughs) He went an inning and a third scoreless. Rodriguez got the last two outs of the eighth. And then Loisaga, who I think it's safe to say is and should definitely be the Yankees' closer with Chapman out, 
locked it down in the ninth for his fourth save of the year, holding the Mariners at four after Heaney kept the game within striking distance. And the offense thanked him for it in the sixth inning. Rugnet Odor, two-run port shot. Gotta say, as I've been saying, a lot of big short port shots this series. <laughs> then Higashioka hit a pinch hit, game-tying RBI ground rule double. That's a mouthful, huh? And then, on brilliant base running by DJ at first, with Higgy at third, Rizzo hits a ground ball to first, they step on the bag for one, and in trying to get DJ in the rundown between first and second, they forgot that Higgy was at third, and he scored before they got DJ <laughs> to give the Yankees a 5-4 to four lead. And that's the score that they would win by. Humongous win. Another comeback one at that on a day when few expected a win. Everyone, again, just like, just like on Friday, everyone did a terrific job. Even Boone, the last couple of days with the bullpen management, I gotta say. But coming into today, the Yankees' surreal turnaround, as I've said, continues as they go for the sweep against the Mariners and really push them down real good in the wild card race. And you obviously know how today's game goes since you're either listening to this tonight or later in the week, or maybe even the week after since, again, remember, no new episode next week. But today's game, Heal will be making his second major league start. He was just recalled. And we'll see if the Yankees can complete another sweep like last weekend. A rarity, but anything's possible. And they'll have to go for it, even without Anthony Rizzo, for the next at least week and a half. The man who's done so much for this team the last week and a half since arriving. Yep, this is our last piece of news today, and it absolutely sucks. Because as of this morning, now he has tested positive for COVID. And he was just playing yesterday. So now the team takes another devastating blow. He's now the fourth person to test positive in this third COVID outbreak for this past week. They've withstood so much this year, especially with these COVID outbreaks that just don't seem to ever want to stop. So... It goes without saying that hopefully Rizzo recovers well, of course. That's the most important thing. And we'll see how well they do without him now, too, for a little while. And all this also, by the way, on his birthday, too. He turns 32 today. So while I wish you a happy birthday, Anthony, I'm pretty sure there are many other ways that you want to be spending your birthday. But in the meantime, fortunately, Luke Voigt who had also been rehabbing this past week, like other guys like Luis Severino and Clark Schmidt have been, was ready to go just in time for this happening. And he's now returned and is in today's lineup at first base. So we'll see how he does in his return for the next week and a half or two in Rizzo's absence. And I'm glad to at least have him back in the face of all this. I mean, the timing couldn't be better, right? Rizzo goes down and Luke's ready to go right away. So at least that's good. 
And Nick Nelson also was optioned back down to AAA so they could bring Luke back. <sighs> God, what news, guys? <laughs> I, I, the Rizzo news just really bothered me, guys. I'm sorry. It's just, and it's still fresh. So, <laughs> for the rest of the week, Monday begins a three game set in Kansas City as the Yanks face the Royals. Monday and Tuesday's games will be at 8 10 Eastern. Tyone's going tomorrow and Cortez Tuesday for our starters. Nothing else has been announced yet for the rest of the week. And Wednesday will be at 2.10 Eastern. Thursday, aside from being my amazing girlfriend Victoria's birthday, happy birthday, babe, the much-anticipated, at least by me, (laughs) but the much-anticipated Field of Dreams game. And... It was supposed to happen last year, obviously. That is, before COVID decided to stop life. (laughs) And it's now happening this year. Yanks and White Sox in Iowa, 7 Eastern. I just can't wait for this, man. I really can't. The awesome old-fashioned jerseys, the caps, the Field of Dreams field, the whole thing. I'm just amped about it especially as someone who loves the movie Field of Dreams so much. It should be a blast. That'll be the first game of the weekend set on Thursday. Friday, an off day. Weird day for an off day, but they'll be traveling back to Chicago to finish the final two games of the three-game set against the Sox. Saturday will be at 7.10 Eastern, and Sunday will be at 2.10 Eastern. And remember, guys, once more, just as a reminder, next week, there will not be a new episode. But Yapping Yankees will return, whether it be done here at my house, as per usual, or in Italy on the 22nd. And like I said earlier, I'll keep you posted about that on social media, so keep your eyes peeled for that, all right? But as for now, guys, that is all for episode 108 of Yapping Yankees today. Please remember to follow me on all of those social media platforms so you can keep up on the latest having to do with me, like things like Italy in the very near future, but also things like the Yankees and Yapping Yankees announcements, content, and Twitter and Instagram social media segments every Saturday. Follow my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at MikeScuds97. And also, guys, subscribe to the Yapping Yankees YouTube channel, leave a like on this video down below, and also show some love to Yapping Yankees on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify as well. And if you got the time while you're at it, listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you might have missed. Episodes 34 up to episode 108 today are available on YouTube, and all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Once again, thank you 3000 for listening to me yap today. I am Mike Scudero, and remember, since there won't be a new episode next Sunday, I will talk to you the following Sunday, August 22nd. When I come at you with episode 109 of Yapping Yankees. But until then, guys, hang in there, be patient, 
Please stay safe, look out for your loved ones, and stay strong, just as the Yankees have through all of their crap. <laughs> Enjoy your week, my friends, and I'll talk to you on the 22nd. I'm out. Take care. Take care.